Eleven legs ago, Desi and Kayla lost by a fuss in Iceland. April and Sarah goat fried in Belgium. Cedric and Sean were bowled over in Saint Tropez. Joey and Tim had an heart attack in Arles. Trevor and Chris went out of June in Prague. Eric and Daniel couldn't keep in time in Harare. And Lucas and Brittany had to ring out in Manama, not Panama. Welcome to the final Amazing Race 30 recap episode of the URT number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me for the final time this season, as always, is the Canadian who is breaking his streak to be with us on finale night rather than getting smashed as usual, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And the lady who always has a stink face when she realises her friends are going, but not her family, Michelle pierce <laughs> Oh, funny. Special request from Joe and Dan, winners of Hunted, that one that I keep teasing you, because they did say that they love the fact that me and Ant just tease you all the podcasts. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> they did as well. We talked quite a lot about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and after 10 countries, 21 cities, and over 29,000 miles, everyone's waiting for me to say the next bit, aren't they? In an amazing race first, we have no winners. How did that happen? <laughs> Oh, Michael, Michael. Nobody won? Yeah, literally as soon as the finish line happened, I started getting tweets saying, how are you going to deal with that on the podcast? And the answer is, I'm going to do what I usually do when this sort of stupid thing happens and live in denial. Just, it's like the, there used to, I remember there was a, 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 two YouTube videos right when the season 11 Real All-Stars aired where somebody was really disappointed that Eric and Daniel won. Well, a lot of people were disappointed that Eric and Daniel won, given every other team that was in that season. And somebody, um, like, swapped out the video editing so it looked like Dustin and Candice won in one clip, and then there was another clip where it pretended that Cheryl and Myrna won. Yeah, weirdly, we have a second and a third place team, but no winners. Yeah, and fourth, fourth place was determined last night, too. Yeah, it's almost like Phil just wasn't feeling generous enough. I mean, there's been a lot of budget cutbacks this season, so it makes sense that, I mean, if you're going to trim uh, trim money anywhere, it's going to be the million-dollar check. Yeah, I mean, they, only, they now only have to give out $25,000 to uh, Henry and Evan. And 10, is it, I think, that Christian Jen would have got? Yes, 10. Just basically nothing. If you think yeah. that Ant and I were playing for £3,500, and that was, that's what, about four and a half, five thousand dollars 5000 So yeah, go on daytime quiz shows, guys. Easier than mm. spending 21 days uh, just going around the world. It's more fun, though. I know, and I'm also in, in sort of quite a sad mood that Alex and Connor went, even though it was heavily spoiled, because everyone saw the picture that was taken of them in uh, in Lang Guifong being field eliminated. It was still sad, because my love of Alex and Connor is quite well known. I found out this week that Connor's a massive fan of the race, and also that he got fired after the race. So, you know, it's a pretty shitty time for him, really. Yeah, just from what I gather on social media, he's not exactly in the highest of spirits right now. No, he, he came back, or, well, he told his employers that he was going on, on the race, and their response was, well, we can't guarantee you'll still be racing with us afterwards. And he rang his agent uh, as soon as he got back to the US and heard the bad news, and then he rang the head of the team that he was racing for at the time and got the bad news, and it was a bit shit for him. It's crazy. Yeah. So he's currently between teams at the moment. Mm. 
So that was the the cherry on top of the pretty poo-poo day. (laughs) For Alex and Connor, at least. Mm. So, previously, ten teams left New York on a race around the world in Iceland, April and Sarah Fort, but survived the closest finish ever, and instead it was Desi and Kale who went. In Belgium, the first US double battle nearly put an end to Henry and Evans' race, but it was April and Sarah who lost to Eric and Daniel and got eliminated. Cedric was nearly Dedrick in Morocco, but it was a high-stakes game of Petonk that eliminated him and Sean before Van Gogh claimed Joey and Tim. Trevor and Chris got u turned in Prague before a surprise partner swap threatened Christian Jen's race before Eric and Daniel got eliminated by one of Alex's three proudest moments. Lucas's passport was left in Dubai as a newly engaged couple went home in Bahrain and last week ended with Henry and Evan getting non-eliminated in Thailand. Phew. Thank God I've got the long, long written bits out of the way now. <laughs> and teams will now fly to Hong Kong and find the Lions Pavilion up Victoria Peak to get the next clue from a photographer. And it's Alex and Connor leaving at 6.45am, with Bacon and Tori Spelling, as we found out last week, leaving at 6.47, Christian Jen at 7.15, and Henry and Evan at 7.44. Did you guys like my masking efforts last week? Because I did warn you that there would be consequences if you kept mentioning them. <laughs> oh, sometimes it was so loud, because I listened to it with my headphones on. I know and every time Bacon came on, it was like, jeez, I'm getting blown away. Bacon and Tori Spelling. <laughs> Ridiculous. I have mixed reactions to it, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I, I guessed from your comments that you weren't particularly happy with me for doing that, but also, it's a nice way to prove that there are consequences to defying me. <laughs> for goodness sake. If I say don't mention them, and I say if you mention them I will do something to mask them, I'm not lying. Uh, Jesus. And for the record, there were much worse clips that I could have covered it up with. Sadly, they didn't fit. Baker and Tori's spelling was perfect for how Logan says their names, by the way. (laughs) Almost down to the millisecond, it was perfect. And basically, this entire Hong Kong leg, I was like, I've been there. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. Because the the Lions Pavilion, I went past it, and in fact, weirdly, Facebook messaged Logan from the Burger King there. Lang Kwai Fong, I know exactly where that is, because I went to the Hard Rock Cafe there, and next to it is a Canadian bar that is themed after the Canadian restaurant chain The Keg. So yeah, I I quite know this leg, which is odd. It also helps when the Amazing Race has been the American version alone, that this is their fifth visit there. Yeah, there's never really been a Hong Kong leg where I've been like, I know every bit of this, though. And you know they've been to Hong Kong a lot when the last two route markers for this episode were at completely random intersections. Well, Lang Kwai Fong is quite famous. It's actually directly underneath Victoria Peak, so they went from Victoria Peak to Aberdeen, which is the other side of Victoria Peak, then crossed back over Victoria Peak to find Lang Kwai Fong, because it's like right around the corner from where my hotel was. That's how I know. So it wasn't really that random uh, an intersection. It's a pretty famous party street in Hong Kong, but... The the pit, stop, the pit stop the pit stop seemed to be a random intersection, but there is actually a reason why they went there, which Bertram revealed. But we'll get there. Uh, so and everyone apart from Henry and Evan say how much they don't want to be in the final with Henry and Evan. Which, if you're watching along at home without actually having seen the episode, you'll think, "Yay, Henry and Evan are winning!" Just like Michael said. <laughs> Sadly, the tweets I received on Thursday before I had to watch this shit show uh, revealed an answer that was different to that. And something I did notice when the the credits finally rolled was that the final three are actually second, third, and fourth in the intro. They're all back to back. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I've I've known since week one, but I actually remember to mention it this week, that the final three are all second, third, and fourth in the intro. And then Mm. Alex and Connor are about seventh or eighth, I think. 
So whilst everyone says Henry and Evan are the odd ones out, actually, technically, it's Alex and Connor who are the odd ones out there. And at Hong Kong International, the racer who we shall not name pushes past Henry and Evan, and Evan describes Henry as not aggressive enough. I should mm. I should say that the when I heard about the shove before I watched the episode, and I was expecting something more aggressive. Jonathan Victoria. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did you carry my bag, Victoria? You know I'm going to Berlin in like nine weeks, is it? I think nine weeks, and I'm totally going to be like shoving a random local. Yeah, I'm going to be taking a picture <laughs> Just of the throw Brandon... your bag at them. Why are you carrying my bag? I'm going to take a picture of the Brandenburg Gate, saying, "Why are you? Why can't you carry your own bag?" Oh, we're making you're, you're ma- we're making uh, spousal abuse jokes. Hilarious. Um, Woo for domestic violence. Alan Wu? Oh, don't remind me of better seasons. Now I'm happy again. <laughs> I'm not happy with this finale, but now I'm happy again. Now that I've been reminded that Alan Wu is a thing and hopefully we'll get Amazing Race Asia 6 as our, our next season to cover. You know who was good as an NP- as a NPC was the photographer uh, <laughs> at Victoria's Peak. He was frustrating everyone so much. <laughs> Alex I and loved Con- him. He was he was great. He slowed everyone down, especially God. Was it Connor who hated him? Yes. Do you want your picture taken? No. No. I want my clue. <laughs> he was very rude to the poor guy. You know the best thing about that? The fact that I don't think that photographer is there normally. I think that guy oh. was bust in especially for the amazing race just to frustrate people. <laughs> Searching for one Chinese troll. Pose this way. Pose this way. You don't even have to be a real photographer. Just try to stall and annoy each team as much as possible. And in another amusing moment, Christian Jen's driver tries to take them up the funicular tracks, which wouldn't end well. (laughs) The bit where he nearly crashes is directly next to the funicular that goes up Victoria Peak. It's so funny. (laughs) It's like, you don't (laughs) want to get in the way of that. Could you imagine being like... Hey, Christian Jen, I guess you're not going to be finishing the top three all, the whole time this season, eh? For anyone in the pool who guessed that they would lose by a crash on the funicular, um, yeah, you, you're pay it. the payout on these odds were uh, pretty high. Given that I'm pretty sure that funicular is at least going down entirely based on... Yeah, it is. It's attached to a wire. So it's it's basically done entirely on gravity. They can't stop that much. It goes slowly, so it's not like it's a, a hurtle, breakneck thing down Victoria Peak, but they can't exactly stop that easily. If he'd driven onto the tracks, they would have been screwed. <laughs> because as you may have guessed, I took that funicular. <laughs> it is just literally attached to a cable. It, it's quite um, quite interesting. My dad is, is afraid of heights and wasn't a big fan of the funicular when he went. And Henry and Evans' driver on the way to Victoria Peak is called Henry, and he speaks Mandarin, which, of course, is a massive advantage for Henry and Evan. Somebody yeah. just... People were stereotyping Henry, saying, oh, I bet you he's going to know either Mandarin or Cantonese, and they were even figuring out which language he would speak based on his last name. And what do you know? Everyone, The stereotype was right. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Yeah, it's like, come on, just because, just because he has a Chinese last name... Doesn't automatically mean he can speak. Oh, he he can. To be fair, it pretty much won them the leg and made this leg actually not suck. So I'll take the fact that the the stereotypes were kind of right. Who was the se- what was the second occasion on the American version of Amazing Race where a team finished first after completing a 
a really quick speed bump. Uh, that was Brooke and Robbie. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, Brooke and Robbie in the second Philippines leg. Yeah. Because they got non-eliminated in the Philippines and then won the uh, the surprise Final Four finale twist leg. With the president's daughter, I believe, as the greeter. Yeah. And yeah, teams have to get their picture taken up Victoria Peak, receiving a copy of the picture along with their next clue, unless you're Henry and Evan, in which case you have possibly the lamest speed bump of all time, where you have to hang 40 lanterns. No, seriously, that's it. Just hang 40 lanterns. It takes two minutes. I thought they had to light them as well, but no, they didn't. They no. just had to hang They just had to hang them. <laughs> China typically has lame speed bumps on the Amazing Race. If I recall correctly, Louis and Michael had to throw a couple of coins into a tower. Yeah, this is pretty up there on terrible speed bumps. And if our theory about them having to change Bahrain to an elimination leg is correct, then that sort of explains it. But still, it's pretty... Pretty bad, Terry. <laughs> Given how little time that they actually have to spend on it, it's pretty bad. Yeah, they were like, oh man, Henry the taxi driver is sticking around to cheer us on. I'm thinking, he probably ought to stick around for like two minutes. He's probably still got the meter running, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> And given that that cab ride was probably 40, 45 minutes, I'd guess, because I think my hotel, which is pretty much at the base of Victoria Peak, was about 30, 35. Yeah, it was probably about 40, 45 minutes cab ride from the airport, and then two minutes, maybe five if you were Henry and Evan, including the speed bump. And then, yep, back down, and over to the other side of the island. Do they also have as many dogs at the airport, or the dog posters like uh, Henry and Evan ran by? I didn't spot that. Given that I was watching it, what, two hours ago, I didn't spot that. Oh, okay. I wasn't particularly looking out for for that stuff. <laughs> what was it, Logan? Well, there was just like a poster, or no, um, a mural of the dog, I think near Victoria Peak, that uh, Henry and Evan ran by. Okay. It was right by their speed bump. It was like two seconds before we found out what the speed bump task was. And yeah, they just run by this big, this, this big uh, dog mural. Oh. Have you been to Hong Kong, Michelle? No, I have not. Just me, then. Uh, and teams have to find Aberdeen Harbour and search the waterfront for their next clue, which is hidden under some fishing nets. And the team who we shall not mention were more distracted by each other than the skyline. And which is the perfect segue into this detour, which is called Harry Crab or Grub Grab, which I think, I, I, I thought their team name, according to Michael, was Bacon and Tory Spelling, but Michael may have a have a new uh, audio dub to do. I think you'll find that it's according to you, Logan, because you said it so much last week for some reason. <laughs> I have a feeling that was not an honest edit, Michael. You mean that someone involved in Amazing Race didn't do a, an honest edit? I mean, who'd have thunk? <laughs> it's almost like that's going to be one of my rants within the next about <laughs> hour when we finish this season finally. <laughs> so yeah, Harry Crab or Grub Grub, which... If I wasn't paying attention, I would have thought that that would have been a task where you have to come up with an online video that has people's faces stuck on various cartoons. Or, or I thought I thought that uh, they were what sponsored Amazing Race Asia. Yeah, that would have been a better answer. And in Harry Crab, teams must prepare fifty Harry Crabs for sale in uh, a fish market in a simulated typhoon to get the next clue. They're just asking for me to make Jeff and Jackie jokes here. And in Grub Grab. Uh, one team member must relay eight orders in Cantonese to their partner in the kitchen, and once they serve all eight correctly, they get the next clue. Both those tasks are difficult. Yeah, which one would you have done? 
Oh, I, I deliberated for so long and I thought I'm going to have to have done the crabs because that, that speaking, and they spoke so fast. I mean, of every other Amazing Race where they've had to do that, it just strikes fear in my heart for the poor races. I think, though, this one was much easier than, say, the Amazing Race 14 version where they actually just had to recite it. Whereas with this one, as soon as you ran into the kitchen, you could pretty much eliminate a lot of the answers. So it made it much easier. Yes, it did. Thank Christ. If they didn't have the various pronunciations in English, then actually, yeah, that would have been way harder. I think if I was physically at the task and started doing that, I would think, okay, this isn't as terrifying as what I've seen in other seasons. But if I'm just reading the clue on paper and having to make a choice, I would have definitely gone with uh, Harry Crab. Yep, same for the same reasons. Unless I was in Henry's position and spoke uh, fluent Mandarin, then I'd be like, hey, I think I may be able to do decent at this task. I think you'll find he said he spoke a bit of Mandarin. He's not fluent. That's racist, look. Hey, hey, you didn't see the comments about Henry in the the subreddit uh, this past week. Oh, believe me, I did. But the um, task was Cantonese, though. Yeah, but the... They're not a million Similar. miles from each other. Yeah, There's got to be some uh, linguistic or uh, what's it called? Mutual intelligibility. That's what it's called. Yes. Yeah. I think Henry could probably get by. And also a lot of people in Hong Kong do speak English because, you know, it was one of ours. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Until 1997. Hong Kong 1997. The best Super Nintendo game of all time. And... In more great Alex and Connor moments, because basically last week was just dedicated to how awesome they are. Alex says he was intimidated by crabs, and the crabs were vicious killers, at least according to Connor. No, no, I love that line. And actually Jen commented on our um, our podcast last week saying, uh, I'm I'm glad that Connor's humour finally got shown, because he was just cracking us up all the time. (laughs) And I'm glad as well, because he basically single-handedly got us a face cream clip last week, which redeems this season slightly. <laughs> I wonder uh, how much funnier it would have been if the hairy crabs pinched him right on his nips. <laughs> right on his nips. <laughs> milk, milk, milk. Jeez. Um, when Henry and Evan were running along the dock trying to find the clue, their cameraman seemed to be standing at the clue, and we're watching them run towards the cameraman. And then they find the clue and it sort of they pan across to the left to the clue box. Did you notice that? I think they have people situated at the the clue boxes as well. Like non team camera people. Okay, it's sort of a bit obvious then, doesn't it? Yeah, if I'm right, it's the the camera people from Eliminated Teams who then basically become field cameras. So all the all the camera people run the race still. It's just it just depends on who gets eliminated. Depends on who's going to be doing the field cameras Mm. and before anyone says it i know that they switch camera people every single leg but also there'll be like who's who's supposed to be um the field camera person for each leg will be rotated once teams start getting eliminated and just uh, you know sometimes they can't find the clue box and they're searching around and around around and then sometimes there seems to be a cameraman at the clue box makes it easier for them the camera person may have been well hidden it may have oh, been this a long lens. Oh, well, he would have had to have a long lens then. It, yeah, it may have been a long lens. We don't know yeah. for certain, do we? Mm. 
be funny if it's just a guy, if we were wrong, and it's just this guy standing with, like, a huge helmet cam, like, ten feet from the clue. <laughs> just a GoPro in his chest. Yeah. And he just points out, like, it's right there, guys. Henry, Henry, how, why are you running by it? Luckily, Evan was here to spot the clue for you. And pretty quickly, Alex and Connor switch to Grub. And did you notice that everyone pretty much passed the Jumbo Floating Restaurant? That's the one from from Australia 1, right? It is. It's the one where teams had to search through the piles of fortune cookies to find one with their next clue. And that's where Richard and Joey got the clues to go to the fast forward. Oh, right. I didn't their one, their one, Richard and Joey's one shining moment. The yeah. one time that they beat Anne-Marie and Tracy. <laughs> I love Australia 1. <laughs> Hashtag mm-hmm. focus, believe, achieve. And Alex and Connor basically freak out, freak out at both sides of the detour. Because Connor is not happy to have people speak to him that quickly. Mm. Did you notice when Christy and Jen got onto the platform for the Harry Crab task that they almost, that they, uh, actually they, they did. They collided a little bit with each other when they got yes. on board. Yeah, they were rushing. I love how literally no one can talk about Harry Crabs without giggling to themselves. <laughs> It's almost like they deliberately named this task Harry Crab just to make immature people laugh. Every time. They know their audience. Boy, do they. And there's not a lot else to say. Henry and Evan leaving first. And and, and Evan said, good luck, guys, when she left. For all those haters on social media who are giving Evan such a hard time, yet Evan does things like that all the time. Exactly. The thing that you need to realise is there is one team who at the finish line said congratulations, and there is one team who looked like Evan had kicked her dog. Hmm. She has proper stink face. She's not being very nice, is she? And teams must now find the roof of Central Pier 4 to find their next clue. And Alex and Connor leave Grub Grab in second. And it's a roadblock, which is who wants to get smashed, other than Logan at one of the finale parties. And in this roadblock, one team member must take a baseball bat to a pile of electronics to find two half-clues in them. And once they have both half-clues, they can dump a gallon of paint on it to make some sort of weird art exhibit and continue racing. Logan, I'm not used to you not being at a finale party now. What I know, it's, it's weird. This is, for American Seasons, the last one that I did with Logan was 27, I want to say. Yeah. Or, yeah. Were you here for the 27 one? I can't actually remember. When is, when, well, when did the 27 one air? I'm actually going to have to check, because I'm not 100% Oh, it would have been December. I, w- I wouldn't have been gone anywhere. I'm actually not 100% you were here for 27. No, you were. You were here for 27. It was just 28 and 29 that you didn't grace us with your presence. Oh. I should note that... Uh, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if we can put this in the podcast, but the uh, finale party for this season, I guess, was... Extre- an extremely small uh, gathering. There wasn't any alumni there, as far as I know. In fact, really? I don't... yeah. Wow, I wonder even if the twenty the, the, tw- the twenty eight finale was still fairly small and private, but a few members of the alumni still snuck in there, um, and me. But with the <laughs> dressed as a waiter, just as something, yes, <laughs> snuck in by Justin. But uh, for season thirty, yeah, they. Uh, they just it was a really small private gathering where no outsiders, no Mertz, no other former teams or winners were uh, allowed in there. I mean it's almost like the winners usually arrange it and these winners were quite butthurt that not everyone loves them. I can't I know that I think the 
the three of the four teams were there at the finale, I think, along with Eric and Daniel. I know for a fact that uh, Kelsey and Joey arranged the 27-1. I know for a fact that Matt and Dana arranged the 28-1. I know for a fact that Brooke and Scott arranged the, uh, the 29-1. Scott arranged the 29-1. That was all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously Scott arranged it, but I'm, I'm giving Brooke partial credit as everyone should give Brooke partial credit because they were a team. Yeah, I'll go with that, yeah. <laughs> they arranged, yeah. Don't worry, that won't be the only Brooke comment that I make this podcast. Yeah, the winners are always responsible for arranging the finale. I know there's very rare exceptions where if it's a team that's not from like LA or New York or something, then it's like one of the runner-ups or the third-place teams to arrange it all. But for the most part, yeah, this past several seasons in a row, the winners are always the ones that are responsible for putting on the finale. That just shows how, how they are as people, doesn't it? Well, I mean, in this scenario, it's slightly different just because they do have crazy insane followers and stuff and haters so you probably want to keep it at least somewhat private but also if it's traditional for there to be a reasonably large gathering at least to watch the finale yeah at least have some alumni there yeah like even for 28 there was high profile people but there was still justin was there joey and kelsey were there tiffany and krista were there ali from kim and ali was there um, Jackie and Laura from season 26 were there <laughs> um, and yeah I think that was all the alumni that was there for 28 so they still had so even then I know some people were slightly rubbed the wrong way with not having a bunch of the alumni being allowed to come out but this time yeah there is Zippo as far as I know so because didn't yeah. didn't Scott basically just arrange it so one of his favorite bars was putting on the the show and then they just had an after party basically yeah, it was definitely a definitely a hot spot in LA. I've some other people were telling me that it's it's like one of the it places to go in uh, Hollywood. That's all you need to do as long as you don't like publicize the location because you have all the crazies trying to join you. Like it, it's not a problem. Yeah, like uh, for twenty nine, there was still a guest list that we were all on. I had to say my name before I went in there. For twenty eight, were you under a pseudonym? Were you under a code name? Just so, I was just under so. I was under Diana Sh- uh, Shaman. <laughs> Just so nobody would know who you were going in, because otherwise they would try and shank you. I was I was hidden underneath the um, the trolley of cheese that was being brought in. <laughs> I would love it so much if you had to get snuck into a uh, an Amazing Race finale party like a heist movie. <laughs> you were snuck into the Amazing Race finale party like Jason Mendoza was uh, was snuck into the bank on the Good Place. <laughs> Is that season two reference? I don't remember that scene specifically. Oh no 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 no! I definitely know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the end of season one. There's only one person's death scene we we don't see in in season one, and it is Henry, Connor, the cyborg, and Christy doing this roadblock. And whilst they do that, their partner has a briefcase handcuffed to them, casual. And Henry and Connor both break their bats before Henry and Evan leave in first. And Simpsons now find Lang Kwai Fong and search the street for three signs referencing three previous legs. The arch of the Washington Square Park, the fez from Morocco, and the bull from Arles. And once they have the leg numbers, they must find the combination to the briefcase, which contains the pit stop location. And all I have to say on this is you could have completed that task without going to Lang Kwai Fong. Easily. There are 720 combinations. So what I would have done is, in the taxi, I would have been trying to eliminate as many of these combinations as possible. Just go from zeros, well, just go from one, two, three, because you knew they were unique, you knew there couldn't be any zeros, so actually there's less than 720. 
It's nine times eight times seven because they're all unique numbers. That's insane, though, Michael. You can't just do hundreds of them. Just two of the two of the teams did try to eliminate a bunch of the combinations in the in the cab. I believe Christy and Jen got to the got through the two hundreds before they uh, started looking. It's four hundred and thirty-four combinations, and you could have easily eliminate half of them in that cab ride. Each combination takes what I'd say five seconds at most to, to dial in, and also you've got two sides both with the same code, so you can eliminate half each. You could have easily eliminated half of those codes without doing the task. I suppose. Yeah. Christy and Jen did go through a bunch of them, though, in the cab, supposedly. And I think one, I, th- I could have sworn I read that one other team trying to do it in the cab as well. And also, it can't actually be leg 10, because there's no double digit, so it yes. it reduces it even further. That brings it down to, what, the 300s, is it? So 8, eight times 7 times 6. Cheers. Yeah. 56 times 6, 300, 336 combinations. That would bring yeah. it down to. Easily, it should not have taken them three hours. You don't even need to go down Lang Kwai Fong. You find a seat in one of those, outside one of those bars, you get a beer or something if you can't, and you just go through the combinations. Wouldn't that have been riveting television? <laughs> <laughs> just all four teams sitting together on a bench. <laughs> You try the ones, I'll try the twos. <laughs> Genuinely, there is a way to break that task, and why didn't anyone do it? Well, I know what I'm doing if I ever get that task on Amazing Race Canada 7. You should have been out of there in half an hour at most, easily. And, like, that street is long. I've walked down that street because I, I went to the Hard Rock Cafe there, which is where the Washington Square Park sign was, and... Like, you really, really did not need to take that long to get there. I love how one of the um, drinkers out on the street said, this is the clue. This is it. Who was it just just walked right on past? No, no, no. It's not. So Connor? That was uh, Christy and Jen. All right. Like, what are you doing? Listen to people. I know I'm backtracking to the detour bit. But I was amused by two things specifically. One, the fact that the the restaurant was called the Kim Bauer West restaurant. So I don't know why they named it after a 24 character. Yes. And, <laughs> and number two, I um when Connor was taking the order at the at the restaurant, he thought that somebody said Kung Pao in the order, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the name of a movie and not an actual dish. Well, Kung Pao Chicken is a dish. Oh, okay. Then I was I was wrong. But there is a movie called Kung Pao, and from what I've heard, it is terrible. <laughs> it's quite a common dish on, on Chinese menus. It's Kung Pao Chicken. Mm. Um, I have to go back to... I'm going to go back to Connor breaking his bat. <laughs> I love how he broke his bat. Was that on, like, the second hit? <laughs> it's proper frustration, but, like... Just sorry. Bacon? Tory Spelling. Bacon was vicious as well. <laughs> Sorry. Like, obviously, it's quite an entertaining task to do, because after ten and a half legs, you, you've got some pent-up frustration that you just want to beat the shit out of some electronics with. But for the love of God, buy some decent bats if you're going to make people do that. The fact <laughs> that the first two teams broke them in, what, ten minutes at most, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like... You've got a task on the next leg that is taking place at a Major League Baseball stadium. Surely you can borrow some bats off someone, or at least <laughs> ask where they get their bats from. 
<laughs> it's just fun. I know it's not necessarily an interesting task to watch, but it it's quite fun to see people just beat the shit out of things. It's like the it's the antithesis to the electronic recycling task that they did in Vietnam in season fifteen. Was it? Yeah. It's fun to see people beat the shit out of things like someone should have done to Gino and Jesse. Just how Gino and Jesse limbs and body parts thrown apart the areas Connor and uh, and Bacon are uh, wailing on them. It's like, welcome to Michael Harmstone's morbid roadblock. If I was doing that task, I wouldn't want computer parts there. I'd just want races I hate. <laughs> <laughs> And at the roadblock, Christy injures herself and cries, and then Alison Connor leave in second. And in the car ride, Henry and Evan do a rundown of the legs. I'm wondering whether there was a rule to say that they couldn't properly start an accommodation until they got to Lang Kwai Fong. Because I would have been just rattling through the combinations. No, there is no rule against it. Why weren't people doing it more then? I know it's not necessarily interesting television, but why? It's an obvious loophole, and... To win, you have to find these good loopholes and exploit the hell out of them. It's a shame because if they did it your way, then there is no way this task would ever, ever return in the state that we saw it tonight. 100% no. They would have either implemented a rule saying you can't do that, or they would have just not done this ask at all. Mm. In the San Francisco leg, there was actually a route marker that was not mentioned at all. Uh, so, Henry and Evan leave at Lang Kwai Fong in first, and teams must now find the intersection of Johnston and Wan Chai Roads, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in, for the first time since leg four, will be eliminated. No final four twist. And on his way out, Henry helps Alex and Connor, being the good guy that he is. He helped them twice uh, yeah. uh, this, ep- this round, because he helped them uh, back at the detour there, where he told uh, told Connor to say it to your partner uh, phonetically. And then uh, Evan said, why are you helping Connor? To be fair, if you were faced with these three teams and also and also ran, who would you want to face in the final three? It would probably be Alex and Connor because they're prone, especially in this leg, to making mistakes. Mm, definitely. Mm-hmm. And also, I think it all boils down to the old Survivor and Big Brother rule of... The person who wins is the person who everyone else hates least, not necessarily who everyone likes the most. It's the person who, actually, you're alright with winning. You're alright with being the ambassador for your season. And, personally, if I were Henry and Evan, and I couldn't win, I would want Alex and Connor to win, purely because they are way more entertaining than the other two teams. And that is no respect to Christy and Jen, who, Jen, I know, listens to this podcast. You guys, definitely, I would have wanted in the final three as well. The other team, not so much. I don't want the team to win just because they're entertaining. No, I want but the it... team to win because I like them and they race well, like Christy and Jan. Just because Alex and Connor are entertaining doesn't mean they should win. Yeah, but also it's it's a team where actually you you turn around and go, yeah, I didn't win, but I'm happy with them winning. Oh yeah, definitely. To represent your season. Yeah, they, they are the the winners are the ambassadors of the season, and this is an argument we're mm. going to get into very soon. But the winners mm, are technically yes. the ambassadors of the season, and it's a team that everyone has to well in Big Brother and Survivor at least it has to be someone who wins who you can be happy with representing your season. And little fun fact on the pit stop location, we did say that it was a random intersection, and actually they didn't mention this on the uh, on the show. 
But the reason it was there is because it was outside a particular tree. And the tree was planted by American country singer John Denver in 1994. Um, in 1994, a large-scale greening project was carried out in the Wan Chai, di- Wan Chai District. Among those thousand trees planted in the project, uh, this was one of only two trees planted by someone who was a celebrity, American country singer John Denver, and the other one was Chris Patton, the last governor of Hong Kong before it was returned to China. So that's why they were at there. It's because there was actually an American connection to that allegedly random street corner. Is it be- I wonder if it didn't air because they couldn't get rights to they couldn't get the rights to any of his music. No, they just couldn't be asked this season. <laughs> that's going to be my honest answer. And Bacon and Tori Spelling leave in second after basically guessing. They had a huge crowd around them in Hong Kong. I mean, it's almost yes. like there were people following them around the world, spoiling things. <laughs> I I do love it when there's a crowd because they know that it's the Amazing Race. I love there was a huge crowd around Bacon and Tori Spelling, and then you cut to like Alex and Connor's crowd when they're trying to figure it out, and there's no one around. By the way, I love that Bacon and Tori Spelling has just become their new name. <laughs> I love how you guys are now resorting to calling them Bacon and Tory Spelling just so I don't dub the cliff of Bacon and Tory Spelling over the top of it again and again and again like I did last week. Crazy. And in one of the more amusing pit stop entrances of the season, Henry and Evan nearly get run over by a ding ding. It would have been even yeah. funnier if the driver was it would have been funnier if the driver was Vietnamese. Did Phil actually call out um look out for the train? Was that Phil? I think it was Phil who said that, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was too. He just looks down and he's like, well, I guess the last team to arrive won't be eliminated after all. The remains of Henry and Evan, you are team number one. Or they just drag (laughs) themselves to the mat. Blood smearing on the road. And they're just like, you hear the bones cracking as they use their, what little upper body strength they have left to get onto the mat. It's like a, a cartoon where Phil just goes over with a shovel and just flips them off. So yeah, the remains of Henry and Evan checking in first, and this is the third time in the American version that a speed bump leg has been won by the team with the speed bump. And they get absolutely nothing. Not yeah. Other than the knowledge that they're going to San Francisco as the final location, and they're going in business class because this is a thing now, apparently. Because this was a thing on 29 and also on Australia 3. Henry can use his Mandarin advantage again in San Francisco. Yep. One of the largest... Well, I think it is... Is San Francisco the largest Chinatown outside of China? No. Or is that Manchester? I can't actually remember. I don't know. Uh, I think, yeah, San Francisco, I think, is number one, and Vancouver is number two. San Francisco is the world's largest Chinatown, which, weirdly, they said it was the largest in North America rather than in the world, which it is. How weird. And second was a team that we're not going to discuss. And she looks like she's eating a wasp when she realises that one of her friends is going home. What I want to know is that Phil was talking to her about it and Tori Spelling said um, it puts a a wrench in their plan. So the plan is to just go to the end with your friends or is the plan to win the race no matter who's in the final three? Ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. Like, all friendships aside, I know you make friends when you're racing around the world together for 21 days or whatever, but all friendships aside, I would rather take two also-ran teams with me to guarantee I'm going to win. 
Exactly. I mean, if I'm racing, say I was racing against you and Logan and you two are in different teams. So there are all three of us in different teams. Yeah, if we're there with 11 other teams and we don't know any of the others, we know each other. Yeah, we'll help each other to the end. But sorry, love. At the end, it's dog eat dog. I don't care if we're friends. You're going for it. It doesn't matter who you're racing with. Our entire tactic on the ORG was to try and eliminate teams who we didn't want to race in the final. I'm going to be brutally honest, we were scheming to try and make sure that we got to the end with two teams who we could beat. Mm. Solid strategy. I'm shameless about this. I really would not want to race with my friends. Exactly. Stupid! You're being stupid. Thank you. We finally got Michelle stupid. And Christian, Jen, Bicker, and then they leave in third. And they believe they're unbeatable. Which means that Alex and Connor get field eliminated. And they also get a montage. Back-to-back legs. Has that happened? Well, back-to-back eliminations. But by Phil, though, yeah. Yeah, because Henry and Evan didn't get field non-eliminated, did they? Oh, right, right, yeah. Tend to forget that the whole two-hour run, <laughs> there was a final four in the ale. But yes, back-to-back eliminations with Phil coming out on the course. And did you know why Christian Jen and Alex Connor first befriended each other? This came out in one of their interviews, by the way. This is quite interesting. No. It's because I believe Connor's... Now, Alex's dad lives next door to Jen's parents, I think it is. Or something like that. Alex's dad lives next door to Jen's parents. Wow! Yeah. There's a small world. There's a proper small world connection between those two teams. There is also a small world connection between um, Jen and Henry. Because was it Henry's... I can't remember. Henry's dad or... It was one of the parents was a professor at uh, one of the universities and I forget somebody else had taken the course in the program or somehow worked with uh, whoever's parent was a professor. That was in Jen's, Jen's uh, blog from last week, uh, talked about that because she wanted, because people were saying that it was the jocks versus the nerds with this three versus one alliance. And then Jen said to say, no, that's not true at all. And, and talked about the connection between uh, her and Henry. I don't think Christian Jen were that heartbroken to be in the finals with Henry and Evan. Like, we've seen this awful alliance of three teams say, oh, we want Henry and Evan and Lucas and Brittany out of the race. But actually, I don't think that Christian Jen really partook in that that much. No, like, uh, during the partner swap, Christy was discouraging any major uh, trash talk that was uh, aimed at uh, Evan while we were watching the episode. I mean, Christian Jen seemed like very nice people. And I'm not just saying that because Jen is actually listening to us, but Christian and Jen do seem like very nice people. They don't seem like they are. You can tell. I mean, there's nothing really bad. Nothing came out in their edit. They didn't say anything bad. Yeah, I think that's maybe why some people thought they were quote-unquote boring, is because actually they are very nice people, and they never really clashed with each other or with other teams that we saw. Not compared to, like threatening to punch someone else in the face or say, will someone please shut her up? We never really saw that from Christian Jen. Why was Christian so much pain during that roadblock? She was in pain instantly when she started using the bat. Is it, does, he, does she have that bad of knee problems or back problems when she has to be in that specific uh, physical position? What I was assuming it was is it was something to do with her wrist because she seemed to be holding her wrist immediately after she started crying. Oh, like, maybe from skiing, possibly? I think it might be an old skiing injury where she's aggravated it or something, or or maybe even accidentally whacked herself with the bat, which is very easy to do. 
Yeah, that could have been, or the glass that comes out of the TVs right away. There. I mean, the glass is easy to break, but the actual computers and and things, it would be, it would be hard for a woman. And I'm I'm not being sexist. I'm just saying we don't have as much hip strength as you guys. I think it would hurt a bit more. She did say when they were at Wan Chai Fong that she had glass all over her shoe as well. So it may very well have been like a glass cut or something, which would be nasty. Mm. So. Onto the leg that I really don't want to discuss. I think there's one more note I had about the roadblock. Oh, oh, um, somebody was one of our listeners, uh, Jordan, was uh, messaging me about the controversy if Christy and Jen uh, should have had a penalty during the roadblock because uh, Jen from the sidelines kept saying, read your clue. But uh, from what I gather from what we saw on TV, Christy didn't actually hear uh, Jen say that. However, on the other hand, um, with the NBA guys, with uh, Cedric and Sean, uh, Cedric was like, oh, I don't think he heard me either. And then Phil said, oh, you still can't give advice to your teammate. So I can see the point that I can see the point uh, being made there. I think the difference is that the roadblock that Cedric helped Sean with was more of a mental one where he had to work out a puzzle. Whereas because this roadblock was just basically hitting stuff, it was all right for... Jen to basically say read your clue because that's not actually giving anything away. Or maybe it was just a volume issue where people who were there at filming said that if you were in uh, Sean, uh, Sean's position that you probably should have heard Cedric giving you advice while Jen's was a lot quieter on the audio and maybe that's made, that made the difference. If somebody who's filming the task right there can't hear Jen giving advice then maybe it's all it's all fine. And also Jordan did tell me right before we started recording that my name has the anagram Hammerot's L Machine. <laughs> That's actually funny. <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. All right, next step. We've got to keep going. So teams must now fly to San Francisco and find the statue of Willie Mays at AT&T Park, and I don't care about baseball. I did a tour of AT&T Park uh, <laughs> just uh, six months ago, or ten months ago, I guess. When I was on the way back from the season 29 finale, I stopped in San Francisco and spent about three or four hours hanging around AT&T Park. I had a feeling you might have been to AT&T Park. And there's no departure times. And Henry and Evan and Bacon and Tori Spelling don't know who the third team is. Oh, this isn't definitely a controversy scene where they'll probably have seen each other the night before. And Bacon says that he wants to win, and she says that she wants the money. Have they arrived at night before for the final leg? 24. Season 24 was a night finale. <laughs> yeah, it's rare. And Henry and Evan check their bags, which we've previously mentioned in Finale Podcast is a very good idea. And then, in a, a stellar winner's quote for the finale, Bacon says, Smells like America. I'm not a world traveller at all. Yeah, it says it all right there. Which, my brother walked in five minutes before the end of the finale when I was watching it this evening, and I was discussing that beautiful quote. And he said, well, he sounds like an arsehole. I can't say it any better. <laughs> My brother hasn't seen any of the season, has no intent on seeing any of the season, but described him as an arsehole. That's why we're related. I can just picture Mark doing that too, just casually entering the room and then be like, oh, that guy's an asshole, Michael, and then just walk out. Yeah. In fact, his exact quote was, I bet that he loves America. And it's like, how did you guess? It's like they're wearing dog tags around their neck. <laughs> So almost like you can guess the stereotypes without having seen any reality TV. When I um, stayed in LA, it smelled like bacon the whole time from my hotel room. 
What, like the the actual food bacon or or him? <laughs> no, the actual food group. Um, it smelled like it all day, morning, night. And I'm thinking, why is LA smelling like bacon? It was just so bizarre. I love how in Australia, bacon seems to be a food group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't have bacon this morning. There was no bacon. I just <gasps> had scrambled eggs. It was like a major travesty. Australia has proper bacon rather than the, the American and Canadian yeah. really crispy bacon, doesn't it? We have real bacon, yes. Something Logan doesn't know about because he's ugh, a vegetarian. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. You don't know this. I'm mocking for it mercilessly because he's a vegetarian who went turkey. <laughs> when we were in London, he, he got himself a turkey sandwich. Really? It's so hard, it's so hard to be a vegetarian on the road all the time. <laughs> Yeah, so you ate it. So you you don't mind the taste. It's the it's the whole idea of it. Yeah, I'm just not big on meat in general. It's just there's some shops that I went to in Europe, um, especially certain ones in Spain, where it's like if you want to get something that's vegetarian, all it is would be like egg in it or something. It's like oh, well yeah. that's that's not food, guys. Come on. And then. <laughs> In contrast to most of the places around the world where they they understand the concept of, oh, let's have a vegetarian alternative. Oh, that means we'll put vegetables in it. But certain places, it's like, oh, it's like three cheese that, four cheese this. And it's like, I, I need I need something, guys. So if there's something sustenance. that has a few, like the only products that had vegetables in it were ones that had meat accompanying it. <laughs> Elapsed vegetarian Logan Saunders there. And uh, in this Atsy Info, teams must kayak the bay around AT&T Park to find three baseballs with numbers on them, which reveal the number of home runs that Willie Mays hits, which is 660 apparently. And once they have them correct... I knew that number. I, I, know, a few, I, know, I know a few home run totals of uh, major uh, baseball heroes. Barry Bonds is 762, Hank Aaron is 755, Babe Ruth wow. is 714, and then I think it goes down to uh, Willie Mays at 660. And I have zero care. Same. I have zero interest. About baseball. I know that may alienate certain people, but I really don't care about baseball. I did both baseball parks in San Francisco. I did AT&T Park, and then I did the Oakland uh, Coliseum uh, right across the bridge. It was like, it's pretty much uh, about a 10-minute drive away from where the finish line is. Why didn't Yale <laughs> find out the number before they started? Yeah, that's quite short-sighted. I don't understand. I, I, I seriously don't understand. They're intelligent. And you know the annoying thing? That probably would have won them the race. Yep. Probably. That's the worst thing about it. The fact that any of these mistakes that Henry and Evan made probably would have rescued this season if they'd not made them. And I know that's sort of slightly spoiling the ending of this episode, but yeah, it's not high, guys. I'm not going to mince my words. This season is not high in my rankings. And when they're rowing, Evan does ask Henry, are you getting nice and deep? And I worry for him that that's a phrase that he's heard before. Really nothing? Okay. I, 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 was, I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was fun. <laughs> well, laugh then. <laughs> oh, dear God. Stop it. I expect at least a resigned sigh from Michelle whenever I tell that yeah, sort of that's... joke. You see, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to comment at all. That's usually why I tell half of those jokes, is just to, to to get the resigned sigh from Michelle that means that it's a good one. <laughs> and weirdly, Jessica Walter seems to be throwing ball, baseballs into the the bay. Who? 
Jessica Walter of Arrested Development. The mascot? Yeah. What's it called? Oh, the Lucille. <laughs> there we are. I had a rest development thing in my reference, but I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't make the Jessica Water connection. <laughs> Weirdly, as well as baseball, she was just throwing out Tony Hale's hand. Yes. <laughs> Taken by Lucille. Yes. <laughs> I'm a monster! Look, Michael, look what the homosexuals did to him. <laughs> I need a drink. And I'm sure anyone who listens to this podcast always expects to get an Arrested Development reference, so I'm happy to give it you. And Henry and Evan crash into Bacon and Tory Spelling and then cheat off them for the answer, and Christy and Jen leave in first with them in second. You're out of here! Yeah, that wasn't irritating after the third time. <laughs> and teams must now get a Zodiac boat to Oakland Bay Bridge, where they will find their next clue. There's a game called Dump the Ump, and I think after he said that for the third time, that somebody would want to throw a ball at him to... Uh... Uh, give him a put, push him into the water. I'll just have a dunk tank set up there. The umpires yes. sat on on the seat and they have to ch- throw their baseballs at him. <laughs> yeah, six all six hundred sixty balls in a row. And when they get there, it's a roadblock, which is who's brought an extra pair of underwear. And in this roadblock, one team member must descend two hundred feet up one of the parts of the bridge and then jump off a plank doing a free fall to get their next clue. And it's Christy, Bacon, and Evan doing this roadblock. And then Henry and Evan leaving last. And weirdly, it appears that they didn't even know the task until they were getting harnessed up, mm. even with the clue. That the you mean like the the plank part of it? Well, no, even the ascend a bit because Christy was getting harnessed up and was like, "I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm getting harnessed up, so I'm assuming it's going to be something scary." They must have approached from the other side of it. They didn't see obviously the the ropes. Yeah, I would assume so. Mm. I love how precise Evan was with measuring how far behind she was with the other teams. Like in the confessionals, most people would 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 say something along the lines of, "Oh, we're two minutes behind them, we're five minutes behind them, or twenty minutes." But Evan says, "Oh, we're fourteen minutes behind Bacon and eleven and a half minutes behind Christy." How did she know it was yeah. eleven and a half? In terms, she was clock? she was timing it from when they left. That, that's really investing in the time difference while you're focusing on the task, though. <laughs> well, I'm sure that helped Psyker when she had to jump off the plank. was like, I'm 14 minutes behind right now. I need to move. Yeah. Now I'm 13 minutes and three quarters behind. I'm 13 minutes and 52 seconds behind. <laughs> Just keeps a running tally. It's like, oh, this is why the teams uh, weren't uh, too fond of Evan. Constant updates to the millisecond of how far apart teams were. And teams now receive a Rebus puzzle, leading them to the Golden Gate Fortune Cookie Factory, where they will find their next clue. And that is named after the Glaswegian detective John Rebus, fun fact. Oh, I've read those stories. Yeah, um, the Rebus puzzle is named after after Rebus, as you might assume. Hmm, I didn't know that. Good old Edinburgh detectives. That's the technical name for a a clue that is pictures representing words. Mm. Or a puzzle that's pictures representing words. Mm. And Christy and Jen leave in second. And then once teams get there, they have to create a tray of fortune cookies each to get their next clue. And this this is because fortune cookies were created in San Francisco, apparently. Yeah, I love fortune cookies. I don't. Um, Really? No. When I had a... I don't know if they make fortune cookies different in Australia, but... uh, here in Canada, yeah, they usually taste pretty terrible. Even when Maggie was visiting here uh, for a couple weeks, uh, she never had a fortune cookie before. 
and she she wasn't that that was probably going to be the first and last for a fortune cookie that she was ever going to eat i'm not sure uh the participants of amazing race australia one particularly like fortune cookies after their task in hong kong either probably not <laughs> Owen Moss. uh tori spelling's fortune cookies were a mess i don't understand how she got out of there they were awful <laughs> i don't she shouldn't have got out of there i was looking at them they were crap I completely agree, but... No, they were crap. So, seriously, they should not have got out of there. I'm not even going to say what I was going to say, so... Calling foul, foul. And I've never said... Let me say, I've never said that about any other season ever before, but she should not have been allowed to leave that. I think it's... I think it was just... Oh, please, just let it go. There's been some iffy um, sub- subjective... Uh approvals for certain tasks throughout amazing race history and this definitely will end up on that uh, on that list yeah especially when actually the ending was really close and any of these decisions could have basically changed the outcome it makes you think should they ever have subjective challenges um on the final leg usually we always say and in fact this is something i discussed with joan dan earlier that Unless you see them in the same frame, they're nowhere near each other. Whereas with this one, because the finish line was at the end of the flight deck, they were literally in the same frame. You knew that that was probably five minutes at most difference. It sounds like it was even less. I think Phil even said in an interview that it was like... I think it was two, actually, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being generous. It was a super close finish, and actually, the fact that this fortune cookie guy approved her cookies when they were shit may have cost Henry and Evan a million dollars, or let's be honest, 975000 Yeah. And teams must now head to the USS Hornet in Alameda, California, and search outside for their next clue. But, actually, they weren't told to head to the USS Hornet in Alameda just yet. They were told to do that after visiting, and I quote... The place where Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe got married. And we saw it very briefly before they went to the Hornet, which was the San Francisco City Hall lit up in red and yellow. Oh, neat. Yeah. So all the effort they went to to get the San Francisco City Hall lit up in red and yellow went to shit because they showed a very brief glimpse of it as they were leaving San Francisco. And in this final memory challenge, teams will search the Hornet for 12 plane parts, and then the team member who did not complete the robot must assemble their plane with one sticker showing for each leg of the race. And once they complete that, they can run down the flight leg to the finish line. The first team to cross it will win $1 million, unless Phil decides he doesn't want to give out the cash. And just in case any producers are listening, watching people search an aircraft carrier, not interesting television. They did an amazing race Canada. though. Or wasn't Eric? What was what was that huge building they searched in? It was the Defen Bunker. Right, season two, right? Because I remember Natalie and Megan just bored the hell out of me with that task. Yes, it was also a very tedious task then as well. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, this is not going to be the most uh, exciting thing to watch. And they had they had a lot of footage to work with too to try and make it barely exciting, considering it was an hour and ten minutes of them searching. But even then. It was like, okay, I have almost no notes to write in this situation. Yep. And each plain spot has two potential pieces. And there's a very easy way to approach this. You look at the two pieces, you decide which two legs they represent. And if there's a a crossover with any of the... A crossover between them as they look like there was, 
so like the the propeller had the fish on both of them for the marker leg, you immediately discount any other piece that has a symbol representing that leg. That's how you do it. I'm sure they tried to do that. That's how you break the task, because then even if that doesn't eliminate every single red herring one, it probably eliminates about two or three of them immediately. What if the fish is a red herring? I'm going to ignore that. And then everyone after that, you just look at which legs they all represent and work out what the symbols are supposed to be. That's how you approach it. And just for the record, this was not a roadblock. This was a task that the team member who did not complete the roadblock had to do, but this wasn't technically a roadblock, which meant that we had a situation where our winners did a 6-3 split. Dave and Connor, Dave and Connor, Dave and Connor. Couldn't have put it better myself. As someone beautifully put it on Reddit, they've joined an exclusive club and it is not a club you want to join, and that is the one where you are a winning team with a roadblock split of three or more. Why is there? Why is that roadblock rule followed in most, but not in others? Why do they suddenly bring it in? Because the roadblock rule has always been: you have to be evenly split going into mm. the final leg, uh, going yeah. going into the the final leg. Or in some cases, you have to split the first. I, I think the twenty-four rule was you have to split the first eight. I think it was, and then after that, it's a free-for-all. I also read that the rules changed a season or two ago where you couldn't do more than six roadblocks in a season, but the rule doesn't work too well if you only have nine roadblocks in a whole season. And you can't even say, yeah. like, oh, that team did one less roadblock so they did a fast-forward, because there were no fast-forwards this season. So yeah. one person could do two-thirds of the roadblocks if they wanted to. Exactly. Mm. Have we ever? I don't think we have. I don't remember everything like you guys do. Have we ever seen a finish line from the final task? Season 9. Yeah, season 9. What was the final task then? The flags. So only once before. Yeah, and I mean, you could make an argument for 28's one in the the winery where it was just round the corner, basically. Yeah, but you couldn't physically see it. No. I mean, that, that that's stressful enough as it is, isn't it? Yeah, and, and also you could potentially have the eliminated teams who don't really care anymore because they can do what they want just shouting support or hatred towards you. Was mm. season 8 also plain sight finish line, Michael? I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm going to wiki that. I feel like it was really that one was... Because whoever just finished the puzzle, I think, just ran straight there because they did that... Um, there's a special exclusive online clip, that exclusive uh, online clip where the second and third place teams were in the same location as the final roadblock and they do the challenges of family to determine the runner-up prize. Never made it onto TV. And Jen has a bit of a breakdown, and Henry has everything right, but then swaps a piece out. Insane. What a shame for him. What a shame for all of us! (laughs) (laughs) It certainly was. What were you saying, Logan, sorry? Oh, uh, the season 8 finish line was in plain sight. What was the, the final challenge with that one? Jigsaw puzzle of the North America. Yeah. Henry is the biggest loser of this season for me. I felt so bad for him. He had it. But you know what will cheer us up? A surprise appearance by Joey Cavino. Oh my god! (laughs) You're a piece of garbage, Saunders. (laughs) What? (laughs) What What's happening here? Hey, Joey. Joey, are you lying down or sitting up? And what is on your head? <laughs> My hat. Can you really see me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just You're very dark. 
Oh, it's a, it's a cat. Okay, it's a cat. So the story is, Joey sent me a message a couple of days ago and said, uh, hey, you piece of garbage. Um, I'll <laughs> I'll come on you finale podcast and, and roast on as if you mentioned my, my fundraiser. So Joey's here. <laughs> Welcome. I'm down in Nashville at, uh, at my travel and hockey team's hockey tournament. And so I we ran a little late and I was really going to surprise Saunders in one of his uh, ridiculous diatribes. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the de- the deal was that it had to be during one of Logan's diatribes. One of my diatribe, like that's that's I can actually trademark that now. That's that's my reputation. The original plan was that I was just going to secretly add Joey in when you were just on one, and then uh, and then he could just call you a piece of shit. And I'm and I just X out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, what, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about the finale? Yeah, we're talking about how shit the ending was. Uh, you know, they, they're not all first rounders, but uh, I, I was happy with it. I mean, it, you know, we kept us on the edge of our seats. We have to agree to that, no? Yeah, but I knew the the ending before I watched it because I watched it what two hours ago, and everyone knows how much I hate the winning team of this season. I I hated them on Big Brother, and I hate them now. So to see them basically be handed the win is really irritating. Well, you got you left out last year though, didn't you? I did, but I loved everyone in the in basically the season last year. You know, I love you and Tara. I just love Brooke and Scott a lot. I love Brooke and Scott, too. They send their love. I've, I've been speaking to Brooke this week. She texted me the other day. Yeah, I let her in on the secret that you were going to be uh, surprising surprising Logan. Are you all excited, Logan? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was happier about this ending than Michael was, but I know that uh, that barometer does not take much. <laughs> kind of a laugh. And also, I think he's a little bit scared of you, Joey. Oh yeah, I'm worried. I'm, wor- I'm worried that I'm going to be jerseyed somehow. I'm going to get like a Boston Bruin beatdown. <laughs> we call that the Boston Sneaker Party. Uh. <laughs> I think with Joey here, we have to hear a Rado impression. It's only fair. What? Yeah. No, wait. This is Michael's. Michael Rado's not going to appear on this podcast, too, is he, Michael? No, Rado isn't appearing. But I do want. <laughs> I, I do want you to do a a Rado impression with Joey. Just on the <laughs> on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> do it, man. You scared? <laughs> I think Michael Rado is just putting his chips away. Those corn chips were really good, Liz. This bag couldn't be emptier even if I wanted it to. <laughs> you know what? You just got to wing it right in the middle of the podcast. You just said it's not going. Yeah, I should just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's only fair while Joey's here that um, that we have to hear some lame karaoke as well. Oh, We're not quite that overserved yet. Thank you very much, Brooke, for bringing that to everyone's attention. I believe that the the term you used when chatting to me earlier was shit hammered. Shit hammered. Yeah. yeah. I actually got that. I actually stole that from Mike Rado. One of his favorite little uh, euphemisms for his daily life. I can't say that I'm surprised that Mike Rado <laughs> decided upon uh, the term shit hammered. It does seem like a very Rado term. It's always uh, it's always followed by dude. It's like a real shit hammer dude, and like this thing happened when I was shit hammered dude, and like wow. So he doesn't end every sentence with Liz? Because I heard he did. Logan promised me that he ended every sentence with Liz. <laughs> he actually does. Goodbye, Liz. I got Joey. Right. Right. Oh, that's who you are. <laughs> Great old shit. He's the shit. Or when he drinks, he speaks with a lisp. <laughs> it's not a lisp, it's a Liz. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
I thought the last two teams were awesome. Actually, every every team from the season was there was there was really no villains, and of course, Hamstone will say otherwise. But yeah, there was uh, everyone was just really really cool. Joey, did you ever threaten to punch anyone in the face on your season? Because if I had to put money on anyone in your season saying they were going to punch someone in the face, I'd probably put it on you or Radio. But it's just out of interest. There was, we'll call them an incident, but it's not really an incident. But there was something going on with the cab driver in Dar es Salaam where uh, I told the cab driver, right? Well, I would have done something kind of Charles Towney to him. And the team came right out and said, you can't say that. I go, sorry about that. But they tried to, they tried to shake us down for a couple extra bucks and uh, wasn't having it. But you never threaten to punch another racer in the face. I can neither confirm nor deny any of those allegations because, as many of the racers, my lovely friends will tell you, my goal was to have a beer in every country. And uh, thank you to Matt Ladley and Doc Redman, who kept coming up with beers in every airport somehow. I don't know how they did but <laughs> I didn't mean so I didn't mean these beers. And, and I think the low life of my, my existence was going from... Um, we go from Hanoi, I think, wherever it was. Yeah, Vietnam to South Korea, that South Korea lake. And I was, I was, as you guys know, I was very sick. And uh, Ladley comes out with this gigantic warm can of beer. He goes, you've earned it. <laughs> so like, I run off into the like a like a junkie. And then I come back. And I'm like, I just, I just took a dump on the bathroom in Vietnam while I drank a beer. I said, where's my life come to? <laughs> I think that leg is the only one where you've actually taken offence to anything I've ever said when I, I started mocking you for collapsing at the pit stop. Oh, that was, that was a couple of bags of fluid later and we're in a little bar. I have previously described that leg as one of the best legs we've ever seen in the history of the Amazing Race because it is comedy gold. Starting with Scott's bungee jump, and then the the bro- brook getting consumed by the mannequins, and then just you and Tara's adventures. It, it was just wonderful. It's just a great leg. They needed to put the temperature and the humidity level in the lower corner of the screen, because it just doesn't describe how hot it was. Yeah, and, you know, they, there were so many outtakes from that, because I had the mannequin by the boob, and she's like ready to pee herself, Tara. <laughs> shit it was just it was awesome it it really was awesome but it was very very difficult our our speed bump lasted like an hour it was it was crazy i was swearing i was picking up rocks instead of eggs she's calling me an idiot i'm calling her an idiot good times (laughs) i think rado would have died in that humidity i I nearly died liz Liz? (laughs) what are you gonna do about it liz (laughs) You can't race alone. <laughs> Favorite Liz's uh, statement was, hush your mouth, Mac. Mac, you hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. This podcast it just went right off, right off the rails, didn't it? Yeah, just a little bit, but, you know, it's better than actually having to talk about them winning, so. The thing at the end was just, I was so jealous of that. I, I, I was so jealous. Being a veteran and wanting to be on that ship, and, I was like, oh, I could have did that. I could have actually won. Fuck! <laughs> How do you think he would have done with, with that sort of a final task rather than having the, the baseball task? Um, honestly, that would have been that, that was a pretty tough memory task, you have to say, because that ship is massive. It's just massive. And I'm sure that we didn't get to see how long they were out there hunting around. I think at one point it said two and a half hours into it, you know, and they were just starting to get their, you know, their shit together. But I, I, it was probably very, very difficult. 
the memory task it 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 uh Wrigley Field it wasn't hard it was just just time consuming really and yeah which if, if we showed up at the same time it would have been a totally different story but I mean I don't know a lot of people didn't like our finale I I mean I didn't mind it obviously we loved your finale and yeah I'm not a big fan of this one I think my problem with this memory challenge is that just watching people search the aircraft carrier isn't interesting television true but the thing is, they had, they had, you see, they had the two propellers and they had a lot of different parts. So they didn't need all those parts, but they had to figure out which one where. But you are right, searching the, yeah, an aircraft carrier isn't that exciting. Maybe if, you know, they launched one of, like, they launched the losers off the catapult into the San Francisco Bay, that would have been fun. Right into McCovey Cove? Like if they pushed him in the little plane right off the edge. <laughs> that would be really good. A way to make it more interesting would be that as soon as a team crosses the finish line, everyone else just gets dropped off the side. Just their partners are just sat in a chair off the side. Just the plank falls out from underneath them. If they use the catapults that they used to launch the airplane, like put everybody on a couch and just shot them right out of those catapults. That would be awesome. <laughs> like, I did enjoy that veteran, though, who was uh, giving him the thumbs up and the thumbs down. He was pretty cool. I don't know if you guys know this, but in the States, we our, our national monuments, we have um, retired veterans. And some of them actually served on those ships. We take people around, they show them and stuff. So just watching that little dude who clearly had no idea what he was doing. But he was just thumb, thumbs up, down, now, right? Okay. All right. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, it was, the, it was the same situation when I was on the USS Midway. Because I went to the Midway in San Diego, and it was exactly the same. It's just stocked with, with veterans from that ship, basically. Yeah, solid guys. I said this on last week's podcast, the Midway was really, really cool to go to. And in fact, the Hornet is a really cool location to have the finish line at. Just wish it would have been a different result. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I wish my season would have been a different result too. (laughs) Yeah, the difference is your season had loads of great potential winners and London and Logan. But it had great potential winners. Obviously, I was rooting for Brooke and Scott and you know that I love you anyway. But I would have been happy had you uh, you and Tara won... I would have been happy had Matt and Redmond won. I would have been happy had Becker and Floyd won. It was an absolute wealth of good characters in your season that I don't think we really saw as much of this season. And I I think the reason behind that was because sometimes, like, let's say you and Saunders tried off The Amazing Race. They were like, oh, um, Hamstone, you're awesome, but your partner's a piece of garbage. Which they would say in this situation. Right, so (laughs) they were 22 personalities they were all they all brought something to the table you know like um like i met becca's brother and he's an unbelievable dude and one of the funniest guys he's really cool but they had tried off the season before they saw something in becca but they didn't see something in her brother unfortunately but it got a chance for becca to be on the show so they got these 22 individual people and just let them run a buck and i don't know i, I really like to know if you put on your website logan about how many of the previous cast is still friends because we're all like still friends to this day we still travel together and and hang out and you know, anyone times anyone time i just got to see uh logan and olive recently and seth and all of last summer we we have a ton of ton of fun i'm, I'm curious to know if everyone is still as tight-knit as our cast it, is olive still a massive fan of brooke because i did see that live video on the finale oh. <laughs> is one of the biggest Best train wrecks I've ever met. I love it. And she always pulls it together, last minute, but the girl, she's young, 
extremely intelligent. You could have cheese an unbelievable um, she like remodels apartments and stuff, like a fashion designer or whatever it is. Her, her place is cool and but she she gets she gets out there and she has a good time. So her being she's olive and she don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. She's gonna have a good time and that's that. But she always pulls it together at the end. Except she does seem like she loves a drink. She she has been known to be overserved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if you're all so close because you're all singles. You know, every all the other seasons they're they're couples and they can you can they can just go off by themselves and not think about anyone else ever again. But because you're singles, maybe it creates a different vibe. It was a, a weird vibe in that when we had downtime, I think we were in just maybe a couple of hotels. And they, you know, and they pull you off the mat. We weren't allowed to talk to anybody. We got to talk to our partners, but when we got back to the hotels, we were in separate rooms, no phones, no anything. We got to wash our, you know, wash our skivvies in the sink, got about three hours sleep, and then we're back out the door. But we never, when I get from um, like Scotch Trazulo and some other people that, you know, they, they, you know, they hang out and they plan and, and they can scheme or whatever it is they want to do in their rooms. Mm. But we didn't do that. So it was almost like prison. People were like tapping on the walls and, and shit like that, trying to talk to people. But it just couldn't get done because production, for our season, production did such an incredible job at keeping everyone apart because they wanted to get all of that, you know, behind the scenes stuff. They wanted to make sure it was all on film. I can't even yeah. imagine what they do for editing. It just... What they put in, it's 12 hours, maybe 45 minutes, 40 minutes with commercials and everything else. For all that time, we, we filmed for like 20, 21 to 20 days. And they, 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 unfortunately, it's funny now watching it as a fan and just seeing like, oh, I bet this happened. Oh, I bet that happened behind the scenes. And this is why that's happening. And when you get a chance to talk to the cast members online, like, oh, yeah, this is this is what happened. This is why. Oh, Brittany, I love you. Stop listening to them. You guys are you and Lucas are awesome. Stop listening to them. I agree. Yeah. Brittany and Alex and Connor are my favorite characters of the season. Connor had an absolute tour de force last week with his constant references during the camel milking task. <laughs> he was awesome. I was, it, I was, actually, that was my secret team to win. I really, I was really pulling for them. It was just pure Cavino style filth. Yeah. yeah. Just. <laughs> Just straight to the bottom of the barrel, the low-hanging fruit. Just grabbing at it and going. That's totally great. So you were a fan before you got cast then, I'm assuming? Well, I was not. Really? Yeah. No, no. Recruit. In, yeah, in fact, um, I was driving and uh, Tara says, is it you turn ahead? I go, you want me to turn around? Just, no, you turn ahead. I go, I, I don't know what you're talking about! So, yeah. <laughs> I, I did get to see, like, a story <laughs> of it. Um, and, I was, and I was surprised that I never watch it because it's just it's now i'm stuck I, i'm taping it or whatever you call it dvr in it now and watching it all the time I, I i just maybe i never had the time i really don't watch watch tv unless it's game of thrones or gold rush but gold rush oh my god i haven't watched that for about a year that's a good show the question that that raises is what was the casting call that they were looking for and when actually that joey cavino guy he he looks interesting well did they specifically put a call out for drunk bostonian dad <laughs> no i I do you remember Josh Trazulo, Boston firefighter. He blew his ankle. Curb. Oh yeah. He's on my. It was Scott and Mike. Yeah. They, uh, he's ah. one of my dearest friends, and arguably one of the funniest people I have ever met in my life, bar none. Um, I one of the one of the casting directors. They were they were talking. Everyone's still friends on Facebook and everything. And uh, he just says, "Hey, you know, 
I saw your, your hockey team. Who's, the, who's this guy right here? He goes, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't want him. And he goes, no, I think I, you know, we're looking for blue collar, Boston accent, you know, no filter. And he's like, N- you don't want him. <laughs> Am I right in thinking you've got a connection to Amy O'Hara as well? Yeah, we work together in the same department. I was her sergeant for a while. We just switched up things, but yep. Yeah, because she is Heather, who uh, does the Hell's Kitchen podcast. She, Amy is her favorite survivor ever. Really? Yeah. You know who my favorite survivor ever is? Flick from Australian Survivor. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know her. I've I met- done races with her and everything. Yeah, I met Flick and Phoebe down at um, Hots of Reality, and those two kids are awesome. And Flick's boyfriend, too. Happy he's an Australian citizen now. He's just about there. I think she's yeah. saying. No, but my favorite survivor of all time is Christina Coria. Far and away. Did you know that Michelle was on the latest season of uh, Australian Survivor? Oh, sure, she was not. Stop it. There was a woman on the last season of Australian Survivor who looked a lot like Michelle, was called Michelle, was from Sydney. So it's just constant jokes that Michelle was actually on the season. In the same profession. I thought they should kill. Michelle should do it. She's reluctant to because she can't take time off a job and we all know she'd win, so it wouldn't matter. Wait, I'm a little I'm a little pissed off at Michelle, I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> Here we go. You know <laughs> you why. Because huh? I you know why. And if you don't, I'm gonna be even more pissed off. Okay. Oh sorry. You still you want the photo of me wearing the badge. I all I know is you hadn't told the boys about the pin that I literally smuggled in there like the Shawshank Redemption to get to you. <laughs> I love and it so much. My was daughter never- was wearing it yesterday. And my husband goes, what is that thing about? And my daughter was trying to explain it to my husband. <laughs> How could you? Yeah, and then I bought, I think I bought like 200 of them off Becca to do at my fundraiser, to sell them at my fundraiser. And I had saved... One for you because you asked. Oh, all right. I will take a photo with it today and put it on the, the page. My my only thing was she was like, and uh, Logan, she was like, Son is so happy about his his pin and I don't have one and I just want to stick it right up his ass. I'm like, I will send it to <laughs> yeah. you. But I always I just want to hear it on a podcast. It's like, I just want to thank Joey Camino for giving me my pin. Fuck you, Logan. <laughs> and I had to wait for a different Canadian to come over here and give me his one. Imagine? Yeah. You know, I don't know what they're doing up here in America's Took, but they gotta pull his head out. <laughs> Look, if I made an Amazing Way shrine, your pin would be in the middle. It'll be, it has to be behind fiberglass, Michelle. <laughs> That'll be like the Mona Lisa. <laughs> the Mona Kavina. The <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can put that in the little thing, the little um, podcast talk about chat. That, that might have to be the uh, the, the title, actually. <laughs> the fact that you keep scream, you that you keep uh, Scott scream on the thing. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. I just can't. <laughs> I've had a few complaints about that, especially last season, but I've had a, a few complaints about that, and my response is always the same. When it stops making me laugh, it will disappear from the podcast. Until then, when I keep finding it hilarious, which I do every time, it's Even staying. Funny. Even Scott thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> exactly. Scott played it on his podcast. Yeah! It's <laughs> perfect. I've never been prouder than when I met Brooke and Scott and Scott was like, I hate the podcast intro, but I love the podcast intro. <laughs> I mean, he's so 
I was, uh, you know, I was torturing him throughout the race. And he's like, you know, sometimes you're so mean and just so attractive. I just can't help. <laughs> so is this one coincide with the other? He goes, no, certainly not. But he is, I love that man. He is just hilarious. I got into a bit of trouble with Brooke for saying on the podcast that they're exactly the same in real life as as on the race, and they really are. I think they were quite jet-lagged when I met them, but they were so... They were just the same. They were just sniping at each other, but yeah. in, in a sort of brother-sister bickery way. It was very entertaining and adorable. I was too drunk to remember. <laughs> the Joey Cavino story. Shut up, Sean. No one's talking to you. Uh... <laughs> No, like even we 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 all went to um, Manhattan, and we hung over. And I think she I think she takes that kind of as as insultive, but it's not. It's just it's who she is, and she likes things her way. And and she, you know she's they're both alphas, and and it's just funny to just watch them because I would I would I would have killed her. Like if it was me and her, and I would have been forget it. I'm out. Like long hair, don't care. They're making it. I'm out. I'm drowning her in, in, in the Panama Canal. The Pacific side or the Atlantic side. Oh, who the fuck knows? <laughs> what question is that? <laughs> Jesus, Titanic sink was a face of north or south. It was the Panama Canal. It's dirty. It smells like shit. It used to be ours. We gave it back. Thank you, Jimmy Carter. But uh, whatever. Uh, you know, nice place. Beautiful people. Funny part about Panama, not a soul knows where that canal is. Was it really confusing for you watching the the Bahrain episode and, and hearing that it was in Manama and you just sort of brought out in hives going, Panama, Panama, Panama. <laughs> did, he, did he just say Panama? I just, I, I gotta get off the couch. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so glad you joined us for this because it's just been a, a Logan roast. It's very fun. You know what? I haven't even got to the whole USA women's hockey team thing yet or men's curling. We haven't gone down there. And anyway... Look, yeah, I don't really care about curling or hockey. <laughs> You're not even a Canadian. Like, where did you come from? It's pretty bad when I care more about hockey than Logan does. So, yeah, sorry, you didn't know what a fight strap was. No, that's right. I I, I had to let the Brit educate me on fight straps. That, that's pretty fucked up right there. And I would put money on, on Joey having taken advantage of fight straps before. Oh, yeah. Well, how it, works, how it works is when you go into a corner with someone, you put your arm up off their back and, and unhinge it. It's got two snaps and a Velcro. So if you snaps done, then you're all set. So you go into a corner with someone and then unhinge their bike strap, then you're just yanking the shirt over there as well. Gotta figure out if it's hooks or snaps. Here we go again. <laughs> Michelle, didn't you say you had to go like five minutes ago? I am. You know what? I keep muting this conversation and I'm literally screaming at my children. Shoes on! Go to the toilet! Get a drink bottle! <laughs> it's the middle of the night for me and it's like midday for Michelle now. Oh, yeah. I, I like when, you, when uh, Michelle's on podcast when it just sounded like the kids would have bed for like two hours. She'd hit like half a bottle of wine and she'd give a <laughs> ass about nothing, especially a podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Usually, mm-hmm. yeah. my children are starving and they're saying, "Please feed us." <laughs> okay, no, I've got to talk to some strange men in other countries. Weirdly, um, I went out for dinner this evening with two of the winners of UK Hunted, and they were saying how much they enjoy Michelle when she just despairs of us on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when she just sits there going, "Boys, yeah, I want to just slap you around the head." Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> oh, 
Time's up. <laughs> Roast is over. <laughs> Roast is over, Liz. Yes. <laughs> I think we have to do the the joke that we keep on saying, which is the roast of Logan Saunders, and just get people on to talk shit about him for, for two hours. Poor Logan. Anyway, the real reason that Joey is on is because he wants me to mention that he's fundraising for a reality rally. That's not right. You know it's Saunders, but... <laughs> I'm number one. <laughs> There's two reasons that Joey wanted to come on. One, he wants to really chat shit about Logan and prepare us for the inevitable Michael, Michael Rado appearance when there's a lose off. Yeah. But also, Joey is is going to reality rally. The, the 250th podcast will have to have me and Rado on. <laughs> just getting drunk and chatting shit. Totally. We'll do and f- Justin, that would be that would be the trifecta. But um. Yeah, we are we are raising money. There's a whole bunch of reality stars raising money for Michelle's place out in um, Temecula, or as we say, Southern San Diego. And um, there's if, if you look at the realityrally.com website, there's any you know pick one of your stars, donate a couple bucks to them if they can you know just two bucks by everyone or something will help out. I know Christina Coria is she fundraises for so many different charities. She's a uh, retired police officer. She got shot in the line of duty, and she just she hits up all her friends all the time, and uh, so I know she could use a little help on her page. I'm getting close, but um, again, it's it's for breast cancer and it's for survivors and their families. So it's support. It's uh, Jillian Larson runs it from Survivor, and she's awesome. She's 71 this year. Yeah, I met her at the Survivor Korong finale a couple of years ago, I think, and yeah, definitely a big Survivor fan to this day. Yeah, oh yeah, she saw it too, and she threw me on my ass down at um, Hearts of Reality, down at uh, down at the pool, down in back in August in, in Orlando. So she's still she's still tough. She's still tough at seventy one. Getting it done at seventy one. Yeah, me trying to grab a towel from her from the chair. I wanted the chair, and she had it. She was in the pool. I don't know. You may be lying. I'm completely lying, except for the her whipping my ass pod because she can. <laughs> she can whip me and Logan's ass at the same time. Let's be fair, Logan gets pushed over in the wind. He's a, an alleged vegetarian. <laughs> I would need uh, Logan from your guys' season to defend me, because that guy, that guy is built to be like Secret Service, service bodyguard oh. or security detail. He's such a solid kid, too. You know what's funny? The first thing out of his mouth, he's like, you know, when I was young, I was fat. Wait, wait, what? What are you talking about? Goes, yeah, I was not an attractive man. Like, he's kind of, he accepts the fact, he's, but he's, he's so good about it. Like, he just... He's like, oh, shucks, when people just throw themselves at him. But, I mean, his wonderful girlfriend, Sarah Fala, they're still, uh, still together, and they're, they're traveling. They've moved from, from the East Coast to, the, to L.A., then now they're up in Seattle, hanging out with Scott all the time. And so I mean, they're, all, they're just having a great time. they got a weird little dog, though. It looks like, uh, you know, looks like Verdell from that movie there with Jack Nicholson. So not Saunders Logan is basically what Corinne Kathleen would call a former fatty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but I want to tell you, he's just an awesome guy. I got to, I got a chance to see him again about a month ago. He came up to uh, Santa Boston, some sort of medical something or other meeting something. But we had some uh, had some lobsters and some, some drinky poos with with olives and a couple of wobbly pops. I, I don't know my show, my my cast man, my 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 dearest friends. Now they're all just awesome people. They should bring us all back for another season. They should bring back most of you for the season. Although I do want to see you and Rado have to team up. Oh, I know, that would be fucked. <laughs> That's exactly why. Well, yeah. Well, when they did, when they, when they switched teammates, I, I was, I immediately said to myself, I'm like, holy shit, if 
that happened to us. Who would be my worst nightmare? You know, Brooke, I love you to death. You know I do, but obviously we wouldn't jive. And then Rachel and I probably wouldn't be as good friends anymore. Like Tara was the only, really the only one who would just tell me to you know, shut the fuck up, basically. It's not really good that I got her. We need to switch, Liz. Yeah, I was, he's, he would take he would take like three or four rounds before he would stop calling you Liz. Yeah, I know. Like, we're out. We're in sequester. Stop. I am slightly terrified of the prospect that next time I'm in Boston, you want to try and chew ice hockey pucks at me. You have oh, talked yeah. about that before. Oh, yeah, we're going to look. I got an extra set of goalie equipment. I haven't played in a few years, but I'm sure it smells wonderful. I'll drag it out of the shed, throw that in there. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll drill some discs at you. Well, given that when I went to see the Canucks, a lady in the Vegas Golden Knights side did get a puck to the head at 100 miles an hour and have to go to hospital to get stitches, this could only end badly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I'm giving you everything but a cup. <laughs> Not a cup of coffee. <laughs> but at least I know that you wouldn't treat me as badly as you treat Logan. Oh, no, 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 no. He wouldn't get a cage. He wouldn't get a, yeah. He would be I wouldn't there. get a one-timer. You're going to get a one-timer off the grill. There'll be chicklets everywhere. Logan would be out there in uh, in shorts and a vest top. <laughs> With his little Canadian work boots on. <laughs> my, my Uggs, my beautiful Uggs. <laughs> I can't believe a Canadian who doesn't like hockey. What is wrong with you? I grew up in a baseball family. One of my brothers got fairly high up in baseball, didn't quite make it professional, but and my dad has every type of Toronto Blue Jays item of clothing you can think of, and yeah, that's about it. Plus, uh, I have relatives that were big uh, Seattle Mariners fans, so I got to see uh, Griffey play in the Kingdom uh, growing up. Oh, okay, way to live your own life. <laughs> And also, Joey, just for the record, I have just donated to you really early. Oh, did you? Thank you. So, you know what? I, I try to say thank you to every single person, and I try to think of something witty. So I'm sure I'll have to you know, bring something on there, some sort of a, a meme. It's the least I can do when, when you've just, you brought us so much joy in 29, and you brought us so much joy in this podcast to, to cheer me up from this shit episode. You know, that's what I'm here for, to make other people feel good about themselves. I don't know if you're aware of that, but... Exactly. I mean, that's what I've heard from most of the cast of 29, that as soon as they met you, they felt better about themselves immediately. Yeah, not a one of them could understand a word I was saying, but... Apart from the classic Bostonian world of cocksucker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, someone said to me on the internet the other day, I can't remember who it was, but someone said that apparently I am the reality star that had used the words, the phrase son of a bitch more than any other reality star. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I'll have to go back and count it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, if you look deep into your heart, you can you can find out that you, you said that a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean... I'm I'm kind of actually kind of shocked they made it on TV that much because every other word out of my mouth is really fuck. So you got some good conversation going here, but you 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 sound like a trucker. I'm like it's nothing I can do about it. It is what it is. Can you tone it down a little bit? Because we do actually need to show you guys you got second. Yeah, the first three weeks we wouldn't want it. We got to show you in the audience for the Street Fighter Challenge at some point. <laughs> I think it would have been very interesting to see you do the Street Fighter task. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just would have grabbed hockey. I would have hockey fought that guy. Yeah, if you throw the controller at the pro, does that mean you technically win since he's like can't really play at the time, so he can just beat up on him in the game? He can't fight back. If I grab him by the neck and start throwing him around like he was throwing tower, would that work? 
game is because I was upset. But I mean, when I first got there, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. We, me and Logan had all the fans doing the wave, and two hours later, she's getting her ass whooped for the fiftieth time. I'm like, you know, guy, I mean, have a little compassion. I'm just, I mean, just just let her stand up. That's it. Just let her stand up. That's all we're asking for. Let, let her stand up before you pummel her. I mean, at that point, that leg was basically telling us you guys weren't going to win oh. with that task. But I felt for you, but. Like, you guys were obviously very frustrated. Oh, shit, yeah. That was the most frustrated we were entire, the entire show. That was, yeah, because you're just helpless. There's there's nothing I can do. And she is feeling like she's letting me down. And she's doing it. There's nothing she can do. But, I mean, she tried she tried showing them pictures of her kids. I need this money for these little four little angels. And I'm like, that's my fucking game. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. She lives in Hawaii now. Imagine. She lives in Hawaii. Yeah, she got uh, stationed there um, with her husband Tony and the kids. They're out in Hawaii, just ripping it up. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm here in Boston, where it snows a lot. But also, Boston was a great city when I was there. It's only when you were there because you you made yeah yeah. No, Boston, unbelievable, unbelievable city. It really is. I'm not just saying this because you're here, but Boston was one of our favorite cities when we traveled around America. I think he's just saying that because yeah. No, I'm really not. I, I've I've <laughs> professed my love for Boston quite a lot. My mum and dad are coming over to Boston at, at some point this year, actually. Really? Because they've heard me and my brother talk about it so much, about how much we loved it. I'll have to take them out. They're probably my age. Yeah, they are, actually. Yeah, see? You're what, like 70, aren't you? I'm almost there. A couple more years. <laughs> Dollars, because your currency's worthless. It's really not compared to Canadian dollar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> Weirdly, the Canadian dollar's actually fallen more than the pound has, despite Brexit. Uh, you're right up there with, like, Dara Salam Tanzania. <laughs> We're up there with Zimbabwean dollars. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't even we couldn't trade the money back in anywhere else except Dar es Salaam. We're, so we're you... just using it to uh, uh, fuel our uh, fireplaces. It's just it's just more <laughs> worth it uh, that way. Gotta get like, through winter somehow. Yeah, you're gonna have the next two legs in Dar es Salaam and Zanzibar, so here's uh, $4. And when you trade it in, they give you, like, four acorns, a bottle cap, and, like, a shoelace. Yeah. What is this? It's like that's free. that's our currency. You, you can buy a house with that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it goes a long way. That's why the guy was shocked when the cab driver wanted me to give him fifty dollars American for a four mile jaunt. And it wasn't even the cab driver. He was a nice guy. It was like just some other weird guy who said he was the manager of the cab company. Like, you no managers of cab companies. Are you out of your mind? Get out of here before I stab you. The Jerry Cavino motto. Yeah. Get out of here before I stab you. <laughs> All right, boys, I gotta get going. Okay, thank you, Kavino. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a pleasure as always. Thanks for the roast. <laughs> oh, it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll see you for podcast 250. All right, cheers, mate. See ya. Bye, Joey. See you again. Talk to you, whatever. Have a good day. <laughs> Night. <laughs> I thought he said talk to you never for a second. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how to shut this off at all. I don't think I can hang up for you. Let's, let's see. I don't, I don't think I can. Well, that was fun. How long have you known about this, Michael? Uh, about five days. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, and knew almost as soon as I got it confirmed that Covino is going to be potentially joining us. <laughs> I just thought I'd, you know, give you a little surprise to, to cheer me up after the finale. So we probably should get back to the podcast after, you know, half an hour of chatting to, to surprise guest Joey Covino. I think it was actually a bit more. <laughs> So, weirdly, no one checks in in first. Yeah. So, 
I guess we're at the finish. I think uh, throughout these two legs, Jen drew uh, dropped more f bombs than the other ten rounds combined. I would assume that is correct, but yeah, like I know I've kind of got to acknowledge that they won, but. We've discussed in the past about winners' quotes. The most infamous example, of course, being Gino and Jesse's. Oh, you don't need, ever need to leave the country. You've got everything we want here. Whereas theirs is, we will be together for a long time. We're not going away. And it's almost like you could take the audio from that scene and put some sort of slasher fic music of, we're not going away. In terms of Amazing Race, though, I think they are going away because Amazing Race is pretty much said any future returning seasons well and the past two of them of course as well aren't going to include uh, any winners which is great when you consider they won less good when you consider that brooke and scott won yeah whereas i would pay money to see brooke and scott run rings around people again because it would be hilariously funny i know it's kind of mean to say that immediately after joey's left us but like as much as i love him and tara i also love brooke and scott until he flies out to england to see you i think it's more likely that i'll be flying to boston Actually, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> and Henry and Evan check in in second, and they do congratulate the winners, and the female part of the winners looks like Evan shat on her lawn. Yes. She's not a happy bunny. One of the most awkward final uh, top two teams to be at the finish line since uh, Jet and Cord and Dan and Jordan at the end of season 16. Yeah, it's pretty bad that this is more awkward than last season when we had Mike shout at Brooke and Scott as soon as they'd won. Yes. And this is still more awkward. And then Chrissy and Jen cry together, and then they check in in third, and Brittany cries for them. Yeah, you can tell that Brittany is just a really um, emotional person in terms of, like, in terms of caring for other people, that she could instantly feel their pain as soon as they stepped onto the mat. Yeah, she's empathetic. Sympath- yes, very a very, very sympathetic person. And you can tell, like, even with the confessionals at the finish line, Christy and Jen got a lot of airtime at the end. And then Phil was even saying, uh, was even going on about how he was just shocked that they didn't win. And just saying, we thought you were going to be that fourth all-female team. Especially because when you think of the other three all-female teams that have won, like uh, Matt and Kat and Amy and Maya and Keisha and Jen, they haven't quite had an all-female team that's Fits the same personality and background as Christy and Jen. Yeah, been the dominant team. Yeah. I guess Nat and Kat did win five legs, but they also were very close to being eliminated multiple times during the season. Yeah. And then Keisha and Jen just were super under-edited, and no one really looked out for them until the end. And then Amy and Maya's win was just a pleasant, pleasant surprise out of nowhere. It's one of my favorite victories ever. Um but with uh, Christy and Jen, I think it's the, the all-female winning team that production has really wanted all these years. And then they just, Jen just chokes at that last task. There's really no other way to put it. Because, uh, oh, she said that she finished an hour behind uh, Henry. Like, she was stumped at that uh, final challenge. Ouch. Yeah, an hour behind Henry, which means they're all... Ch- she could probably hear them chatting at the finish line for a long time <laughs> just hear them say every word and then oh then she finishes and then she gets to be at the finish line mat and considering they were the first team at the ship and it was an hour and 10 minutes of collecting pieces and it was two hours and 30 minutes when tori spelling uh, finished the 
the final challenge. Just think that you're an hour of just seeing everyone party and celebrate on the finish line, just 100 feet away, and you've got to try and finish strong and then and then uh, run to the mat and have your mat chat to sum up the whole race when all in your head you're probably thinking is, oh my god, I just blew it. How did we, how did we do so badly when it mattered most? And now the point that everyone has been waiting in this epic podcast for is my rant about the edit. Because we've said a lot of kind things about the edit. Not necessarily this season, but generally. We've said a lot of kind things about the edit. They do tend to try and be very entertaining with the story that they tell. They tend to pepper things through to sort of hint at who the winner's going to be. And this is the single worst winner's edit we have had for years. Since Freddie and Kendra? Freddie and Kendra would probably be comparable. I was so angry when I found out they won. Not because they won necessarily, even though I think it is horrendous that they are rewarding the bigotry and ignorance that both of them showed when they were travelling around the world, and, you know, in a soundstage in Los Angeles for far too long. But the fact that they chose to portray them in this way of not even burying your winners, but condemning them. Like, Freddie and Kendra is a great example, because they went out of their way to show every negative thing that both team members said, from wanting to punch Evan in the face, to disparaging every country that they went to. I'm not joking when I say that the first words we hear out of their mouths when they get to San Francisco is, ah, this smells like America. I'm not a well-travelled person. And it's like, you've just travelled to nine different countries around the world, to 19 cities at least, depending on whether you count Alameda separately or not to at least 19 different cities in a 21-day period. That has got to be an eye-opening experience for you. And I know that it is physically impossible for you to show any emotion, but for the love of God, you are the stereotypical ugly American travelling around the world. There's no other way to describe it. It's insulting to everyone who watches the show for the travel aspect, for the experiencing different culture, to show your team who wins in the same light that Amazing Race Canada showed Gino and Jesse of the ignorance of travelling around the world or to different countries is worse than staying at home. And it's just utterly ignorant, in my humble opinion. Because travelling is a joy. And when people watch this sort of show to experience the different cultures and, and the travel aspects and the adventure, it's just bollocks to see a team be rewarded and and say oh yeah i'm glad we d- we're home it's like what's the point you're going on you're just professional fame halls if you do that yeah i don't know what their next step is gonna be if they're gonna try if bacon's gonna try and go on survivor 37 if they're just gonna make a bunch of random cameo hosting challenges on big brother in the future want to or if they want to start their own reality show i can't I can't figure out exactly what their next move is going to be, or if they're just going to be like, hey, it, or if it's going to be like, say, uh, Rob and Amber uh, in reality TV with Rob constantly competing in any show he could find until he could win the million and then say, okay, okay uh, this is all I really wanted. Uh, I'm going to finish here. With them, now that they have their victory, I mean, there's there's no real way to go even further up from that you won so there's not not anything left to uh, pursue as a competitor on any of these shows 
Yeah, and part of the reason that I didn't particularly like this season is the effect that they brought to the season. Because they brought all these horrible people in their crazy rabid fandom who spoilt literally everything. They, The last thing that I had to delete was the picture of Henry and Evan's speed bump sign. I also saw the picture of Alex and Connor getting uh, field eliminated in Hong Kong. Like, the fact that this season was so heavily publicly spoiled ruins the season for anyone watching who knows anything about it. And then it's like, when you win the Amazing Race, typically you're supposed to be the team that represents your season and brings everyone together, and then next thing you know, Tori Spelling is going after Brittany on Twitter repeatedly, knowing how intense her fan base is with, like, anything that Bacon or Tori Spelling feel or express online is going to be intensified ten times more just because of the intensity of their uh, of their uh, fan base and, by contrast, their haters as well. Because it's always one ex- extreme or the other. It's like, well, you can't really go after your own competition. You won your season, and now all the focus should be on just bringing people together. And then, of course, um, I'm curious if Bacon and Tori Spilling also kept in contact with production at all, or if they had them at their... Uh, how many of the producers were at the finale, because I know they were really upset with how they were portrayed as well, because Tori Spelling kept saying, oh, that, that scene wasn't accurate, and that scene wasn't accurate. She, she just said that, kept saying that it just made her look, look worse than she really was during the race. I remember being one of her things, but it's like, if you win the season, you can't really go around uh, uh, attacking random people that were eliminated and production. I saw a theory online that the editors gave them that edit because they don't like the stunt casting either. And that's an interesting idea. That's, uh, I, I read that too <coughs> and I was thinking that's actually not a bad theory that it's like, hey, CBS is forcing Bertram and Elise to put on a specific team that they don't really want on their show or weren't even thinking about casting. Okay, just give them a really bad edit and if they win or lose, the audience reaction is just going to be so controversial that it's not going to be fun for anybody involved. Yeah, I, th- I think inadvertently they sucked the life out of the season. And it's not a spoiler to say that this season's quite low in my rankings, because it is. But it just sucked the life out of the season, for me especially, having to not necessarily tiptoe around these people, but to be conscious that actually anything I say on Twitter or on Facebook or on this podcast could basically get me death threats. Well, look at all the people that keep tweeting Justin constantly. I know Justin thinks it's it's hilarious, but just something like that where Justin from season 27 is at the core and heart of the alumni community for Amazing Race where everything just goes through him, where everyone just generally respects him in the community. I don't think he has... Yeah, I don't think he has any conflict with anybody in the alumni. Like, he'll randomly go meet people from season three or four or five just because it's Justin, and Justin really likes the race. So it's very bizarre to see, oh, um, Bacon and Tori Spelling have blocked pretty much the guy who is currently representing all 30 seasons of Amazing Race. Without saying a word or giving an explanation to Justin, they just outright block him. Like, who... Who the hell does that? I think it's quite appropriate that actually Cavino dropped by this this week because there's going to be a lot of comparisons made between 29 and 30. Obviously, 29, easily a top 10 season for most people who aren't idiots. 
season 30, easily a bottom 10 season for anyone who's not an idiot. But their cast is so close still. Joey was saying that. It's a proper close cast, and yeah, that's not necessarily typical. But also, I don't think many people in season 30 are close. April and Sarah aren't close. No. But the fact that there was this little, what was portrayed on TV as being a clique of, of three teams that were kind of mean... Christy and Jen less, but these teams were kind of mean about everyone else, and they were shown to be the bad guys, and there was zero comeuppance for this. The stuff that they said, the stuff that the winners said at least, in any other season, would have been the sort of stuff that you would see a team who gets a massive comeuppance get. Yeah, well, just think of like season 21 when Josh and Brent won, and it was like three teams pitted against them, and they weren't even that cruel to Josh and Brent, but they were still set up as the villains who were going to be overthrown at the end of the game. There was no comeuppance for the actions that we saw. Well, just look at the shock that Bacon and Tori Spelling had when they just got to the finish line. Phil's like, hey, um, we weren't, none of us were expecting it. It looks like you guys weren't expecting this either, but you won. Say, what? You won. You won the, you won won the million. Didn't win much else, but, uh, the viewers at home certainly didn't win, but uh, yeah, you won. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of how you don't really you don't really go beyond that. It's just like, yeah, they won. <laughs> I think it sets a bit of a dangerous precedent as well because the fact that CBS saw these extra viewers because of it, and the fact that we see them basically bring profile inadvertently to Amazing Race means that let's be honest, we're probably going to see more of this sort of team get cast. And I, I've never been a big fan of the crossover teams. There's occasional exceptions, like Natalie and Nadia, who were built for Survivor. But I've never been a fan of the crossover teams massively. So to see to see them basically be rewarded for, for ignorance and bigotry is deeply irritating. So if they if they didn't, if they had to one, say it was Christian Jenner or Henry and Evan win, let's say, let's say it's somebody else in that three-team alliance that wins. Where would the season have ranked for you? The winner is a massive component to a, a great season. It's part of why 29 is such a good season for me, is the fact that actually not only were the winners great, but we had a lot of great winner potentials. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been mid-tier had anyone else won. That's what I was thinking too. It's going to be because there were some things done right overall with the season, and then some things done not so right. Cough, cough, head-to-head, cough, cough, partner swap. Yeah, I think it easily drops about five, ten places just purely for the winners. Yeah. Are they the worst winners ever? When you think of, like, Gino and Jesse and uh, and Dave and Connor and Freddie and Kendra? It's hard, because I've gone on record as Gino and Jesse being my least favourite team of all time, because they set a dangerous precedent for Amazing Race Canada, as well as, you know, being horrendously ignorant. I will say, if Season 31 has more of this sort of team then they probably will take the worst winner's spot for me. Because it's the effect that they have that puts Gino and Jesse at the bottom for me. The fact that they are basically responsible for pushing the production agenda of less international travel and more, oh, isn't Canada great? Mm-hmm. Uh, it falls solely on their doorstep for me. It's just really annoying. So at the moment, no, they're not the worst winners ever. Do they have the potential to be? Hell yes. Yeah. So you'd say Gino and Jesse and Freddie and Kendra are both below them? Yeah, for now. But slightly better than Dave and Connor, or even worse than Dave and Connor? Dave and Connor had some redeeming things. Like, I, I didn't hate Dave and Connor in season 22, at least. Yeah. 
I guess that's what balances out. It's like they were they were decent in season twenty two, slightly one dimensional for the for the most part. But then yeah, then season twenty four, Dave just Dave's not a very likable guy in twenty four. Whereas I didn't like anyone in Big Brother nineteen apart from Cameron, and I didn't like this team on Amazing Race. So I think that puts them below Dave and Connor for me. At least they didn't complain about people constantly breeding in uh, impoverished areas. Very true. But they did complain about having to travel internationally. Yes. So, is there anything else to say for this week? Um, no, I think I think that sums up the whole ending to this uh, season quite well. And for the love of God, let's not have a season of returnees next season because it seems like to be the only thing that everybody's talking about online. No returnees next season. No returnees. No matter who it is. No, it's too soon. Stop. All these season 11 real All-Stars has been like the only good returnee season of pretty much any All-Star out there. So 18 was very average, and that's only because the teams I we didn't like went home first. Oh, and that the, it was pretty much perfect boot order overall. And season 24 was just, well, that's probably my least favorite season of Amazing Race ever worldwide. So no, let's 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 not have let's not have twenty threads on Reddit and Facebook about who we want to come back. Let's just have new people next time again. And also production, if you actually have to ask, is it too soon to bring back people? Yes is the answer. Yes is always the answer. If you have to ask, should we bring back people? The answer is no, never. Because we can't trust you to do it anymore. Unless you let us cast it, you're never, ever, ever gonna be allowed. You're never going to be given permission from me to do it. Yeah, you have to run it by us. We are gold command, basically. You have to do the investigation and then pitch it to us before we say yes. <laughs> so, thank you for listening all season to this Amazing Race podcast. You can join us whenever for our next podcast. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Helmstone for me, Log Super Quacky for Logan, and Bear3333 for Michelle. And also, Joey Cavino 3 if you really want to follow Joey for some reason. <laughs> There's no reason to follow follow Joey. You're better off following uh, Joey Cavino too. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Peace out, and just chill. Till the next episode. You know, sometimes you're so mean and just so attractive. I just can't help.